Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. Um, a bit of a different time this week than normal, but uh, uh, glad to be here. And um, with me, I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, really good, Alex. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, staying out of the, the weather, which is pretty poor um, outside here in Australia, which is, um, I guess, unusual for Brits to hear is, you know, we've got torrential rain at the moment. So staying nice and dry. And um, I had my, my new city shirt just arrived last night. So very happy that, that that's arrived um, in time for the podcast as well. Uh, yeah, no, we do. We've got a bit of, bit of British weather going on down here at the moment. It's a bit, a bit yeah. wild. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, look, I mean, we've got a we've got an exciting game tonight to preview, but we'll start off by talking about that fantastic win last week against Oxford United. Uh, made it five in a row for us, um, and and most importantly, from my point of view as well, was to see Lewis Potter amongst the goals, uh, really showing that we've got some versatile options up front. We're not just sort of relying on Wilkes or White um, to score all the goals. We've actually got all three of them now getting in amongst it. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, that's that's always really good. I think we've talked about that a few times this season. That it's been nice to see that we haven't relied on one player like our last promotion was being heavily relied on Hernandez. So mm. um, where he scored twenty, was it twenty one or twenty two or something? Yeah, or yeah, something mental. Um, and and even in got... recent, even recent seasons with Bowen. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, Bowen and, and even Campbell as well. While he was here, yeah. he um, was pretty reliable. But it's nice to see that we've got so Magenis is above ten for the season. Wilkes yep. is above ten. Is is Lewis L- Potter there yet? Lewis, he's pretty Potter, close. I think. I think I looked at it. I think he's on nine or maybe eight. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he should get there. And, and I was going to say, mm-hmm. I I, actually, I don't know the last time we would have had three players in double figures for the season. It would have been a long time, I reckon. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's pretty impressive to have. You know all that plus you know eases bagged a couple and he's missed White quite a as lot. Well. Yeah, White's bagged a couple. Um, Doherty. Yeah, um, Honeyman's grab, grabbed a few and plenty of assists. Mm-hmm. So pretty productive um, forward line when you when you look at all the pieces. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and of course, you know Lewis Potter out of form for a little bit, um, maybe in recent weeks uh, was, I guess, dropped to the bench or rested on the bench. Um, in a recent fixture and then came back into the side and scored. Uh, and now he's got another two goals under his belt. And there was that moment just before halftime as well where he took the uh, took the shot first time from, I think it was an elder ball in field or it was a, it was a throw in from, from, I think, elder potentially, uh, which he hit. And it was a wicked hit and uh, was really dipping quite quickly and, and almost crept into the top corner, which would have been, you know, we've had quite a few tremendous goals this season, but it would have been right up there. And um, look, it just showed his confidence in the match. And he had that, you know, awesome touch on the left wing as well to keep the ball in play. Um, so really sort of at the peak of his powers at the moment and, and really full of confidence, which is great to see. Yeah, that shot just before half time, I would just watch the highlights and I knew that he'd scored one in the first half and one in the second. And I saw him score the first goal and still when that was going through the air, I was like, fuck, yeah. this is going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was, me. Just- it was just- it was insane. It was one. Of, it was one of the. Um, was it Hughes on the commentary might have said about this, or someone said, you know, like that was one of the best hit 
strikes that I've seen in a while. You know, obviously we had the coil, the coil goal in the cup was um, probably the sweetest strike, but uh, this one wasn't too far off it. And uh, it was just a shame it didn't find the back of the net. Yeah, I think that would have really capped off um, Lewis's Keane's performance to get that get the hat trick, I think. But um, I mean, two goals is still not too shabby. Two goals and three points can't really yeah. complain too much. Yeah, well, uh, exactly. Five, five wins in a row now. Um, I think I'm just looking it up just to make sure I get the stats right. I think it's five wins in a row with four clean sheets in amongst that, with just the one goal conceded to Peterborough in the run. Uh, and what's that? That's seven. 10, 12 goals scored in five games as well. So, um, you know, solid defensively, solid offensively as well. So really um, both ends of the pitch operating at their, their full powers. Yeah, I think it's really important that we keep, you know, getting clean sheets. Um, I know there were a couple of dicey moments um, mm. in that game against Oxford. They had a couple of um, good opportunities. I think one where Ingram pushed it out and it fell straight to their striker, but he skied it. Um, that was pretty dangerous. Uh, they, you know, had an early sort of opportunity that I think bobbled in front of him, and he sort of pushed it across goal, and you know, and only needed a, a an Oxford attacker to have been following that in a bit harder, and they probably could have had a tap in in the second minute or something. So yeah. Um, while it was good that we, you know, man- managed to keep that clean sheet, there are still, we're still, you know, conceding some of those moments, um, which or like getting, I think a couple of moments we got hit on the counter and things. So there's still things to to work on and improve, but I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like the three points, a clean sheet, um, a really good performance that consolidated our um, position, you know, is is not is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and look, as you sort of mentioned there, I think it's easy to forget the work um, at that end of the pitch, and and I think Ingram had a fantastic game. Um, I think when um, when Keno bags two goals, there's going to be a lot of focus on him and 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 you know, sort of the forward third of the pitch, but. Um, I thought, you know, Elder Coil Coil with that ball for the first goal as well was fantastic. Was you know, we're talking about a, best best hits of the season. That that's best assist of the season. Got it. That was be. a marvelous switch. That was so just pinpoint like. Yeah, it was just so perfectly hit that the keep you see the Oxford keeper sort of come out because he's sort of like, you know, oh, it's it's hit far enough in front of Kano that that he's he sort of feels like he should go for it and and to gather it, but um, it's just hit under hit just enough that it you know gives Kano the advantage to run onto it and it just it just it was perfect it was inch perfect um, yeah. and and then and yeah and and Ingram as well with some fantastic saves yeah I think um, I mean I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the watch the match but um, it looks seems like you know it's pretty strong performances across the pitch and that's you know winning breeds confidence and um, can become a habit so hopefully we're in that again I think. Like I've I've mentioned a few times throughout this season that those those pockets of games where if you can you know you win five and then you might drop a couple and but if you can win in those pockets and you can create open up some gaps and I think like the last time I was on was probably just before this five match run and we're it's a little bit of negativity creeping back in around around uh, the performances and our position and how everyone else had games in hand and all these sorts of things but. I think we've seen over these last five games that, um, you know, the points on the board is what really counts yeah. because, you know, we and like it's just that this this competition's so unpredictable and so, you know, those games that we've thought we should have won that we've lost, but it's balanced out because there's games that the teams around us, you know, Doncaster was on like a five or six game unbeaten run and thought looked like they would continue that and I think. 
and then they drop points that I, you know, would have thought when they played someone down near the bottom that they would have picked up. And the same with with Lincoln and and like just everyone around us is sort of experiencing that same thing where it's, it's there's no e- there's no gimme games, there's no easy games in this division, and um, just I mean we can't really worry about what everyone else is is doing. We just we got well, what have we got about ten or twelve games or something less left. Uh... Ten games many. left. Ten games. Ten left. games left. Yeah. yeah. So we just got to try and maintain the rage through, through the last ten games. Um, I think this break that we've had, this midweek break, is actually going to come at a pretty good time. Just, it's not a huge break that's going to affect our um, like concentration much, but it'll be just enough to hopefully, a bit of extra um, freshness in the legs, a couple of extra days training and recovery will just I think help us in that in this run into to keep going and keep pushing. Um, and I think we probably only, what do we got, you know, and win half of them. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're just about like guaranteed in that top six. We're pretty close to guaranteed in the top six as it is anyway. I think we've yeah, built well, a, quite a decent about, buffer against numbers against six. So, well, while we're, while we're talking about it, we'll, we'll, we'll do our, we'll do our MVP votes in a second. But while we're talking about it, um, I'll use that as an opportunity. I'll pull up the table now. So that might, help us um, as we're sort of talking here. I'll zoom in a little bit so we can actually see. Um, you, know, you know, you're sort of looking at uh, anywhere from Portsmouth up, I think, are still chasing that or maybe, you know, uh, yeah, Fleetwood's probably a little far back, especially with the 36 games played. But anywhere from Portsmouth up, still chasing a place in that top six. Um, but you look at the fact that Charlton there in sixth, or I guess Ipswich in seventh, uh, 14 points behind us with two games in hand on us. Uh, you, yeah, like you say, I think you probably call it another three wins probably to lock in a top six place. And then as Logan and I were sort of talking about last week with um, with how many wins to, to secure automatic promotion, I think Logan was sort of saying um, five or six wins. I think most people on Twitter were saying seven or eight wins. Um, obviously, now we've got that win against Oxford to take that down a, down a win required. Um, mm. But uh, we'll sort of talk, you know, Peterborough uh, did manage to get the win midweek, um, Sunderland as well. But, you know, Lincoln dropping points, Doncaster dropping points, these sides who are chasing that top two place, uh, it's really feeling like it's a race of three. It's feeling like it's between Sunderland, Posh and ourselves for the top three, for the top two, I should say. Um, And you've got Sunderland playing Lincoln this weekend as well, which is a massive fixture. And um, weirdly enough, you're sort of in a position now where you almost want Lincoln to win that game just for uh, maximum drop points for Sunderland um, to to mean that they're uh, mathematically unable to chase us with their games in hand. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty – it's interesting how it's all going to play out. But And I think the other thing, like, again, with those games in hand, like, that mean just means in this last, oh, whatever it is, two months or whatever, they've just got those extra games to squeeze in extra fixture load, um, ex- all that extra, you know, it might be travel or whatever to contend with that just might help give us the edge in this, in this scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, look, look we'll, we'll round off on that Oxford game then and, um, and give our MVP votes. And then we'll talk more about the, uh, I guess the off field uh, news of the week, as well as um, I guess the rivals fixtures in the league. Um but I'll probably start off with mine, and I think it's hard to go past Lewis Potter for the three votes in this one with with the two goals and his impact on the on the performance as well. Um, and then I'm I'm going to give the two to Coyle. I think that assist for the first goal was fantastic. Um, and as I sort of said before, I think the defence has been 
really tremendous over the last few games, keeping the clean sheets that they have. Uh, and they're a little bit unheralded, um, I would think. Um, and then Ingram for the one, for the couple of really great saves from him in the match as well. Yeah, I probably um, would agree with Ken Lewis Potter. Um, the two great goals, uh, that shot that was so close to a third, and a couple of really good balls that were whipped across that made really good opportunities for, I think Wilkes was one that he just needed to get across his defender and he probably has a tap in at the near post. Mm. And there was another one that was quite decent as well, possibly for White, but... Um, you know, really strong, all-round, good performance. Um, and putting the hard work in defence as well a few times, getting back. So three points to Keenan's Potter. I'd probably flip you – know, I'd probably go with the same players, but I'd flip them around. I think some really, really smart saves from Ingram that kept us – that, you know, if, if Oxford scores and makes it one all, it sort of maybe changes the complexion of that game. And I think um, those some of those really those saves really um, helped us consolidate our, consolidate our position, maybe break Oxford's – uh, mentality, you know, a little yep. bit, break their confidence. So two to Ingram and then one to Coyle for um, a good performance and a beautiful um, switcheroo. Fair enough. Um, look, I mean, it's, it's interesting, um, still 10 games to go, but it is interesting that we're starting to get uh, rumours. I mean, it's always hard to know with transfer rumours how much truth there is in them or if it's just paper talk and agents doing their thing. Um but well, we are starting to get a few rumours around potential acquisitions in the off-season. And I think most people would agree that if we took the squad that we have, you know, if we converted the white loan into a permanent deal, if we signed Jones onto another year, if we take the squad that we've got into the championship, I, I would say that it's a very competitive squad. I think the main position that most people would agree we need to strengthen is the striker. Um, and we have been linked to Dion, Dion Charles from Accrington Stanley. Uh, who's got 17 goals for the season um, as of last week. I don't know if he scored midweek, um, which which uh, seems to be the right the right idea. I mean, it's Eves was a prolific striker in League One before we picked him up as well. So it is hard to hard to assess um, how good or how reasonable a, a target that is. But you know, prolific striker in confidence. Um, I was sort of saying in the chat during the week, I think um, any side going up, similar to when we went up to the Premier League last time, I think the logic that I would approach signings with is looking at the rivals around you going for promotion and trying to pick off their best players because if they don't get promoted, a lot of their squad will be, you know, have had one eye on the next division up, uh, you know, being sort of mentally ready for it mm. and that that frustration of missing out could make them quite an opportune target for a, for a signing. Um, And then quite clearly as well, if they're competing up the top of the league one with you, um, they're going to be a reasonably quality signing. Um, So whether it's a Clark Harris from, from uh, Peterborough as well, who maybe would be out of the price range, but um, uh, yeah, Charles potentially Accrington, not looking too likely to make the playoffs, but you know, Charles looks like he's in great form, uh, potentially decent acquisition. Yeah, I think um, I guess it comes down. I'm not having even looked at who's off contract for us as well, because that's another thing. Like, who are we when we go up? Who's gonna? Who are we gonna leave? Who's gonna attract interest? And we know there's probably going to be a few players that will attract some interest. So keeping a hold of those is equally as important. But um, yeah, if there's a if there is a chance that we're gonna grab, nab a striker who's scored 17 this year, then I mean, you sort of got to grab it, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I think I think that. Yeah, look, I mean. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we tried to move Eves on, whether we see if there's any interest in him from League One, whether Gillingham potentially signs him back. Um, you sometimes see those where, you know, if the move hasn't worked out, you go back to the familiar surroundings and, and, and sort of recapture your form. Um, yeah, I mean, look, for me, the main ones are players like Doherty, Honeyman, um, mm. Greaves even, um, a, as being important players to keep hold of. Lewis Potter as well, Wilkes, um, where I think if we go up, makes that job very easy. They're obviously the vulnerable ones if we don't go up that that they'd yeah. be sort of looked at by, in a similar sort of logic, that if a Sunderland or a Peterborough goes up, that they would sort of target our better players. Yeah, so um, I guess it's, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll just see what happens, but I guess we'll just focus on the job at hand, worry about, yeah. I guess really we just worry about Make, making sure we get that that promotion um, first, and then worry about worry about the squad after that. I think. Yeah, I mean, the only other interesting one to bring up was um, Ormond Otterwill, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, left wing back or left back from you know, formerly of Arsenal. I think he's playing in Norway or somewhere like that. Um, only reason I find that one particularly interesting is obviously we've at the moment got uh, Elder. Fleming and Clark all essentially left backs. Clark on a short-term deal, though. Um, I wonder, with the sort of murmurings around this one, whether there's any sense that there's almost no chance that Clark will stay, or or perhaps it's just us sort of going, well, just in case Clark leaves, Fleming maybe isn't quite ready to be a championship backup, so we want to strengthen there. Um, that was the only other interesting bit out of that, I thought. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I guess... Yeah, Fleming. If I think if we went up to the championship, Fleming would be one that would probably go out on loan. Um, you know, maybe back to League One where he could maybe get a full season of games. Um, you know, sort of get up to speed with first team football and things like that. But um, yeah, I guess be interesting. I'd like to see you know Clark get get some yeah. games. You know, it's nice to see. Um, you know, like he he left and like nice to see him come to come back or that that we approached to get him to come back. You know, hometown kid um it's always it's always nice to see those academy products end up one way or another in the in the first team it, it was interesting in the article on um ormond ottawell that it almost seemed like i find there's sometimes interesting bits of news that kind of get tucked away in articles but there was a mention at the bottom that clark is at the moment injured which i haven't seen reported anywhere so um news to me but would yeah. certainly explain why he's not even making the squad at the moment. Um, and, yeah, look, fingers crossed it's something minor. And, and as you say, maybe towards the end of the season, once things are sewn up, we can start to play around a bit and, and get some sort of sentimental mm. picks in the side, if nothing else, and, you know, try and form a hull 11 almost with, you know, <laughs> Coyle and Clark with Greaves at the back as well and um, and a few other boys, Lewis Potter up forward obviously as well, and, and try and get a few of those boys all in the side together. That would be dream. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Shrewsbury game now um, and, and we're sort of talking about the opportunities that have opened up with um, those midweek fixtures. And as you say, um, it's certainly sort of proving to be the case that the points on the board are better than the games in hand. Um, I sort of bumped an old tweet that I'd made back in early February of saying that, yes, we were second in the table at the time, but... Um, you know, sides having games in hand around us meant that we weren't really second and more than happy for that to have aged terribly with those sides having lost those games in hand. Um, but it does mean, as we were sort of saying just before, it does mean that only Sunderland, I believe, and obviously Peterborough, can um, catch us with their games in hand. So um, 
it's in our hands to an extent. We just have to keep winning our fixtures. And um, this game against Shrewsbury does prove an opportunity for that. Um, I know, as you say, there's no easy games in the division, but one win in five for them um, would would suggest that 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 sort of, you know, mid-table, they're not really at threat of relegation too much. I think they're uh, nine points ahead of Northampton, who are in 21st. So you would think that they're sort of settled and secure and, and there's not a whole lot for them to play for. Uh, that's sort of the perfect side to be playing at this time of season. Yeah, I think um, it's. Uh, I, and I think we lost the reverse, so we'll probably win this one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our trend for the year. Not many. Um, yeah, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I think like the form we're in. I mean, this is probably what's going to kill us now. If I'm going to say, say re, uh, repeat this old like line, but you know, the form we're in, and with the like 12 goals in the last five, and only one conceded, and four clean sheets, I can't really see us sort of dropping these points. Um, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be shocked if we didn't pick up the three points um, this against Shrewsbury. So. Um, was Matt Matt Miller, who was on loan at Shrewsbury from the Jets, I believe, earlier in the season? I think he he might have played in the game against us. It's uh, sort of yeah, a shame. I think he did. Yeah, it's sort of a shame he's come back to Australia now because uh, it would have been really good to see a bit more. You know, um, if if that had worked out really well for him, see a bit more of an avenue for um, Australian players to to go out to. You know, I think. I think League One or lower championships really comparable to the A League, so I think yeah. it would have been interesting to see how that could have worked out longer term. Yeah, I wonder if it was just like the terms of the deal that, like, that he was Once just the A-League a, started. Yeah, yeah, essentially to that that took him because it was only like the third game. Like the Jets only played two or three games, I think, without him, and then he was back yeah. in Australia. So, um, I wonder if it was just something like that that it was just a short term deal. See how he could cope at that, like over there in England if he, and then just come back and play this season. And, t- and I wonder how long his Jets contract runs for. It must be up soon if he's, you know, going on adventures around the world. To yeah. See if he can well, cut out yeah. and put, his, put himself in the shop window because... That's a good point. He's he's done a pretty good... I thought he played, like, did a good job at Shrewsbury. He was, he mm-hmm. seemed to, like, there seemed to be lots of good comments about his performances and things. So, you know, if he... If this happened to be his last season at the Jets, you wonder if perhaps that Shrewsbury would then like make an approach yeah. to bring him back and not have to pay for him, you know, at the end of the season or something. So yeah, and that's a good point. I wonder if that's it's sort of part of that that it's and, and even if it's not Shrewsbury, whether it's another League One club yeah. can suddenly suddenly say, well, hang on, you know, he's already proved that he can play at a decent level and and he's available on a free sort of thing. Yeah, it's a good good point. Um, uh, I guess. Interesting thing with the Oxford game as well was the fact that we'd made no changes going into that one. And and as you sort of said, with the week break for this game now, we've got, you know, fresh legs, a um, bit more bit more time to rest and recover from any sort of knocks. Um, I, I'd sort of suggest that we'll probably go into this one unchanged as well. I don't really see a, a reason to change the lineup for this one. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, we've mentioned it a few times. When we've been out of play with three really dynamic forwards, so um, I think... At the moment, uh, Lewis Potter, White, and Wilkes, but previously it might have been with a Delacoon or someone else up in that forward three. It was when we yeah. had our most like prolific spells and looked the most dangerous when those players are able to move around and, yeah. and ch- interchange in their positioning and not affect our structure too much. Whereas um, when we start with Magenis, we sort of are much more limited in, in that ability because yeah. Magenis doesn't really 
um, isn't he's not really he's not a wide player, so it doesn't make sense for him to switch out and and Wilkes or Lewis Potter to come in the middle. But when you've got White or someone who's more dynamic in that um, sense with their with their pace and footwork, that that ability to move them change, interchange positions and move defenses around um, is really really dangerous. So I think um, I, I see no reason to be changing changing the lineup. Um, barring you know any horrible touch wood training injuries or something yeah no for sure and it, and it's a it's an interesting one coming just back quickly to the the chart the links to charles is um is um it's sort of like with the eve signing as well where you look at that um where we had bowen and Grzycki looking so dangerous on the wings and bringing in a target man or a, a sort of central focus doesn't doesn't actually work as well as as you would think because as you say, we're so dynamic when those wingers can overlap and and, and sort of rotate amongst themselves and, and it's much more fluid and unpredictable. Um, it's a lot harder for sides to prepare for us when they don't know, is Wilkes going to be playing out wide or, you know, through the centre, is KLP going to cut inside and, and swap wings and things like that? Um, so it actually makes the discussion, and it's obviously for, you know, maybe a month or two's time of, of how we would actually envision, envision lining up in the championship um, and whether we do try and aim just for that sort of sort of smaller front three who can rotate, um, it's an interesting yeah. sort of discussion. And I'll tell you what, as a centre-half, I absolutely hate it when I've got like players changing and moving around and changing. I'd love to mark Eves. No offence, but he's like because he just stays in that central yeah. corridor like 90% of the time, and so you just stand with him. Yeah, and, and, and mark a cool- Wilkes or Keane Lewis-Potter or something, they're zipping around all over the place trying yeah. to pull you out of position and you can't let them go. So you have to go with them and they're making holes and causing all sorts of problems. So um, I think that's that's where we've got to – I mean, I guess that's like – that seems to be what McCann, how McCann wants us to play. It's really dynamic and really and forward-moving. So I think it suits when those when we have the, that dynamic front three. So just keep, yeah. keep going and, and I guess we'll see. It didn't – I guess it didn't quite work – last season in the championship but if we have the right if we could bring in the right players or keep keep a hold of the right players and i think it still has the potential to be a really dangerous formation at at the at the like the next level up i i think the main reason it probably didn't work last season was especially the departure of bowen and and Grzycki, obviously and essentially trying to gel in new players halfway through the season and just confidence dropping with each game um, chopping and changing the formation. We now have a structure that works really well. And I think what I what I find so appealing about it now is it doesn't feel as reliant on individuals. It's more the system. So, for instance, like you were saying, we had a Delican earlier in the season who was playing that role. We had Maya who was playing it for a bit. Um, we had Scott as well, who who as you know, not as prolific, but they all sort of fit into that system now. And um, you know, Adelican left, we slotted in white and whites fit in seamlessly. Um, so I think I think that's what sort of appeals to me is if, if slash when we go up is it's not as reliant on individual players. I think obviously, you know, if we lost a Wilkes or a Lewis Potter, that does change things significantly. And I, I'd hope that those sorts of contingencies are things that the club works on to have, you know, um, capable backups to those positions. But I think the structures and the philosophy is now starting to take shape a lot better. And hopefully this season has put a lot more confidence in the players that they can execute it. Yeah. And I, th- I think also like, 
I don't know. It seems to be that poor old Grant McCann. Anytime he loses a game, the the fan base seems to be on his back, ready to to take his head. But I would hope that you know a, success, a successful season, albeit in League One, where we you know earn that we get that instant bounce back. We're back in the championship. Earns him like a little bit of trust and respect from the from the wider fan base. Because um, yeah, I think he's. I mean, he's doing. He's let's be fair. Like he's got a pretty rough hand with the owners that he's working for and things. So um, he's doing his best. He didn't, he didn't look like he knew had the answers last season, but he seems to have figured that things out a little bit better this year. So I think he, you know, he's young manager like or young in his managerial career or he's young as well anyway, but like he's, he's still learning and still figuring it out. But I think the strides he's made this year, he looks a completely different manager to last season. I think, um, one of the first episodes this season, I asked Mike that question of what would it take for McCann to win over the city supporters? And Mike basically said, we could go up 46 wins, zero draws, zero losses, and there'd be fans that aren't convinced by McCann. And I think that's true to an extent. And I think, uh, the wobble in January or February of this year has revealed that those mistrusts are still there, even as ter- ter- terrific as we've been this season. And I think I think part way to, to winning the fans back over will be if we go up as champions. I think going up as champions is the really important thing. I think McCann needs to, I don't know if he needs media training or something. I think he just needs mm. to be a bit more careful with some of the things he says in the media. The stuff with Lewis Potter, Wilkes. Yeah. There was, a, there was a comment recently where he sort of said, look, you know, we're all focused on going up, but if it doesn't happen, we'll do it next year. And I'm like, you just you don't need to say that because you don't even need to entertain the possibility that we're not going to go up and we'll have to do it again next year. Even, you know, if that was to happen, okay, it would happen, but you don't need to kind of voice that. And so there's just these little things which I think he, he sort of says that makes his job harder for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but I think I think for me personally, I think if we go up as champions first of all, or even if we come up second, it's still you know automatic promotion. I think is a big tick, and then it's starting next season well. And I think it's it's starting it well enough that we're not in a relegation fight. Or, or you know, uh, I think I think that that's for me is that you know if we get promoted, it's just taking us back to where we should be as a club. Yeah. And and it's from there that he then has to win, win the trust back. But I think, you know, whether the narrative then changes to it's okay, yes, it's the Alums selling Bowen and Grisicki that was what really undid us. But I think his attitude in that second half of the season is, is part of the issue as well. So it, it's a tough one. I kind of agree with you. I think he's a young manager. He's still learning. Um, but there's been times where he hasn't necessarily done himself any favours. And mm. it's going to be interesting to see, you know, look, if – you know, if he took us up to the Premier League, if we went up and next season we went up, you know, to, from the Championship straight up to the Premier League, I think that would go a, lo- a long way to, obviously would go a long way to winning people over, but that's probably a bit far-fetched. I, it's, it's a hard one. I, I don't quite know what, what he needs to do. Yeah, I guess um, I think, I guess if he's being reflective, like within himself, and I know you don't like... In when you're in those positions, you don't take much stock in the media and social media and things. But if he's at least paying attention to like what people are unhappy with, like you know, so he makes these silly comments and people go, "Why the hell? Why would you say that?" If he like looks at that and goes, "Oh, you know what? Maybe that was like a silly thing to say," and next time he's in that position, he doesn't say that, 
and he's actually growing and improving and, and like thinking about things in a different way, then then I'd be happy with that. Like next yep. season, I think you know. There was things he things he did last season, which I was like, Phew, but he's not repeated those same mistakes this season. He's making different mistakes, so for the most part. But like, yeah, yeah I guess. Um, I think yeah, I think he still gets a bit standoffish in interviews when when we've lost a game and Burnsy yeah. or someone's asked him a question. He gets which. There's plenty of, like, you look at Mourinho, you know, there's mm. plenty of successful managers who are standoffish in interviews. So um, that's not something to necessarily count too much against him, but it doesn't help the fans, I guess. Yeah, I think, uh, I guess it's going to be a, if we, we get promotion and then you look, looking at that, you know, that 10 games into next season, once the things yeah. have settled down a bit, if we're not in the bottom three <laughs> and not anywhere near the bottom three by that point, I'd be pretty satisfied with that as, you know, as, as good progress. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then just quickly before we, we get score predictions in for this one um, mentioned already. So Sunderland playing Lincoln's probably the big one to keep an eye on for city fans tonight. Uh, Peterborough playing Rochdale. Yes. Rochdale are in the bottom four. I think they might even be last, but that being said, they did knock off uh, Lincoln last time out, which was a massive help. They're second last. Uh, so equal on point. Equal on points with Swindon, but they're off the bottom on uh, goal difference. But, of course, the important thing with Rochdale, of course, is that they have Agent McShane playing for them as captain. So I'm sure he'll be doing everything he can to help City uh, earn promotion. So uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be out of this world to see them get something against Peterborough, I guess. Maybe that's a bit of wishful thinking, but uh, that's an important fixture as well. And, you know, Gillingham playing Doncaster. I think Doncaster's starting to slip away a little bit from that automatic promotion race. Um but sort of still in the picture somewhat um, and drilling him in good form. So that's another potential uh, interesting fixture to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I know I'll be um, keeping an eye on those scores as we um, as I watch City in the morning. So, yeah, be, um, yeah, I think a few twists and turns still to go in this little bit, last little bit of a run in. But um, I think we've, we've got ourselves in a good position and we just have to try and, you know, do what we can to maintain that and not worry about... What other people, what other games are really happening? So just De- do what we definitely, can. Uh, hope for the best. Fingers crossed that those um, other results go our way as well. But yeah, not definitely too stressed about it. And uh, what's your score prediction for this one against Shrewsbury? Um, you know, just maybe another two nil. Two nil. Um, maybe I could see White grabbing grabbing one at least. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about Ella. You know what? Probably, I'm I'm sort of sensing like another like Reese Burke off a corner, like Jack in some yeah, weird goal again. He gets some strange talking, ones. Talking about, um, you know, Eves has got a couple of goals, but it's it's actually crazy to say that Reese Burke's got more goals than him because I I have a feeling coming into this season he hadn't scored for us and might not have even scored a senior goal. So uh, he's he's suddenly kind of you know once once he's broken the damn wall, a um, couple of flowing his way now, which is. Uh, Great to see. It. It'd be good to see Greaves finally get one after he got that that goal taken off him by Magennis. But um, I reckon I could see. Yeah, I probably agree with two nil. Um, I could see Wilkes getting on the score sheet just to um, just to sort of remind everyone that he's still around and, and still scoring goals. Um, What's he at in the league? How many does he need to get twenty uh, goals this for in, in the that's league? That's a good season? question. Hang on, I'll look that up because I think he's actually quite close. I think he's on sixteen or seventeen, but I'll have a look. Um, so I'd say Wilkes scoring one and, you know, wishful thinking, but it would be great to see uh, Lewis Potter score one as well to get into double figures just so we can uh, get those three players on double figures 
for the season, which would be great. But um, you you know, look the way that the way that uh, some of our players are playing at the moment, I wouldn't um, be surprised to see anyone scoring. Whether it's Doherty uh, popping up with another goal because he hasn't scored for a little while, um, I've sort of <laughs> I've sort of given up. I had for a while there, I was sort of harboring thoughts that uh, Honeyman could get the double double and get um, double digits assists and goals, but. I think he's a little bit off that now. I think he's only got the two goals for the season. Um, yeah, Wilkes is on 17. So he's, you know, I, I think it's well within reason that he'll finish the season over 20 goals for the season, which would be great to see. And yeah, Lewis Potter's on nine. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got a couple of targets for the last little section of the season. So that's good. Um, which is good because I think that that's also really important. We sort of, I guess, sort of half jokingly talking about all these, you know, goal targets. But I think the players. Yeah, you know, it was interesting a few years ago watching the Man City documentary when they'd sewn up the league and they set internal targets of, you know, whether it's 100 points or a certain number of yeah. goals, things like that, that you do need those targets to keep your focus because it'd be very easy for City players, say we win tonight against Shrewsbury and, and Peterborough and Sunderland both drop points, it'd be very easy for City players to start to take their eyes off the prize and, and sort of start to think it's already wrapped up. So having those focus targets on um you know personal goals or whether team goals um is, is still really important yeah i think it'll just give them yeah that little bit of little bit of focus a little bit of and I, and like i guess the other thing is that even if they like whether they stay at city or they don't like in the future but like being able to you know have a 10 goal or a 20 goal season or like whatever that's that's really good for them you know on their cvs essentially as players um and that's what you want. You want them to be performing as best they can to to create the best career they can. You know, hopefully stay staying with us at City. But if not, um, then um, they need they, those little little targets. Whether like maybe don't stack up as much as like a golden boot or whatever. But if you get ten goals this year, if King Lewis Potter gets that this year and then can go and get ten goals again next year, then starts to look you know like a really um, consistent. Um, player, then they're the sorts of things that can build, help build you into a really strong career. So um, definitely, and, and anytime you can get twenty goals in a season, it's just good. So yeah, uh, fingers, fingers crossed for Wilkes over the running. Yeah, we got a comment from Cam there saying, "Sup, boys? G'day, Cam. Glad to see you watching along live. It's always we always appreciate live viewers and uh, live comments as well. So that's great to see as well. Um, yeah, look, I think the interesting thing with Lewis Potter is. Um, we sort of look at the side that we had last season in the championship and, you know, yes, it was dominated by Bowen doing so well for us in that first half of the season. But Lewis Potter at championship level did score, you know, whether I can't remember if it was three or four or five goals, I think maybe three or four. Um, you know, I got that third goal against Birmingham, which was fantastic. Um, got that, uh, I think it was eventually ruled an offside, uh, an own goal uh, in that Charlton game that finished 2-2. Um, but look, he he didn't look out of place at championship level last season. Mm. So um, I think we've got a couple of really good prospects for next season. And and as you say, even just for this season, getting those goal scoring targets um, um, uh, will be good for the players. Uh, we've got another comment from Cam here. I'll pop it up. So he's saying, just tuning in. Not sure if you've covered it yet, but White and Crowley, do we make a push to re-sign them at the end of the season? White has looked good. Great player. Square peg, round hole. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, when you say square peg, round hole, I, I think White has fit in really well. I think Crowley potentially, if that's the one that you're referring to as being the square peg, round hole, Crowley um, has looked really good. Yeah, but um, uh, doesn't really seem to fit the system. I think White, as sort of an alternate to Wilkes or KLP or Magennis in that front three, 
does, I'd, I'd be very keen to sign him permanently. I think he's the really easy answer. Crawley, I, I'm not as sure about because it's frustrating. I feel like if we don't sign him, he's going to go on to have a great career and it's going to be one of those if onlys. But we could sign him and it just doesn't work out for him a bit. Um, yeah, he's saying he meant Crowley. Yeah. Um, that, that, uh, that, uh, yeah, Crowley, Crowley looks like a great player, but, um, just doesn't really seem to fit the system. So, so where do you see Crowley in plans for next year? Um, oh, I, I sort of agree with you. I think like White, like, you know, no brainer. He's looked really good. We were talking about earlier how having that dynamic front three is really benefit us. I think Crowley, as you say, is a really good, really, really handy player. But I don't know whether it's, you know, because he's not that old. Is he? He's only 20. No, no, he's only like 22 or, yeah, 21 yeah. or 20 or something. So, you know, there's still a lot of learning to go, but I've sort of found that he sort of he dallies on the ball a bit, right? When we're on the counter and he receives it and he should just be looking to try and play, the, play a pass early, he starts like he's sort of holding onto it a bit long and sort of just, I don't know, trying to do too much maybe, but um, I think he will have a really strong career. I don't know if we really need like where he like really, because He's got enough. Almost, ta- he's got enough talent that he probably deserves to be a first team player somewhere. But he, he, I can't see him dislodging Honeyman anytime was, soon. It's such as the form that he's in. Yeah. So it's basically him competing with Honeyman for that spot. And Honeyman, to me, uh, I, I feel like Honeyman's set pieces are slightly better than Crowley. Um, and and as you say, I feel like Crowley just seems like he's a much not slow player, but he, yeah, as you say, he just holds the ball a lot more, whereas Honeyman is much more energetic, pushing forward, quick passes, spraying it out to the wings um, or just getting it forward, where um, I think Crowley's style doesn't necessarily suit our sort of fast-paced counters as well. But, look, I'm, I'm sure that in two, three years' time we'll be sitting here saying, you know, gee, you know, Crowley's looking great at Norwich or somewhere in the Premier League and, oh, mm. geez, I remember when we had him on loan and it just didn't work out and... I have no doubt he's going to be a great player. It's just one of the, it's you know like Josh King now at or well, at Bournemouth and now at Everton that you know just didn't seem to work out with us. Um, it's just one of those things I think sometimes where the system doesn't quite suit the player. Yeah, and there'll there'll be someone else will come in and and grab him and and hope and they'll they'll have the right system that suits him that they want like us maybe a slower build up with mm, someone who's really yeah. technical and and can control in that in that area the way that. Crowley likes to play um, just doesn't quite I think it was like a good signing in the sense that he's an he is a really good attacking player and it was worth having you know a slightly different option there to see and and as some direct backup for Honeyman but it just quite hasn't quite worked out so I think it's a yeah. good signing but I wouldn't re-sign him if that makes or I wouldn't yeah. like yeah. pursue him on a permanent if that makes sense I think he's one of those signings where um, if, if say, Doherty or uh, Honeyman had had, like, a, a three-, four-week injury, we'd be saying, geez, you know, how good is it we've got Crowley to just step into that mm. spot seamlessly and, and how good is it we've got that depth? But because those guys have stayed mainly fit and haven't had those issues uh, or suspensions or anything like that, it, it's almost like a break glass, in case of, break glass in case of emergency signing where it hasn't been needed but it's, you know he's been great to have there as as that as that depth player. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think we're both going for two 0 wins against Shrewsbury tonight, which will be fantastic. Um, once again, we don't have a game midweek, which you know it's nice for the players to get a rest. It's nice for us. It's a 
you know, not not as uh, bulky a, a podcast as it sometimes is. Um, so I think our next fixture after after tonight, we've got uh, Gillingham next Sunday. So talking about Gillingham being in a bit of decent form, that will be an interesting game to look forward to as well. Um, but until next time, thanks for joining me, Dan. Not a problem. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Cheers, Cam, for, for joining us um, and asking a question. We always love getting questions. So if, if everyone wants to sort of watch along live, shoot in questions while we're, while we're chatting, it's uh, always much appreciated. Um, gives us a bit of interaction with you guys as well. So that's always appreciated as well. But look, if you're catching us on a replay, uh, hit the like button, drop a comment in the, in the comments on the YouTube video. Um, if you've got any sort of comments or questions um, for us for the next episode, um, or, or just share the podcast around. It's always appreciated as well. So um, until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back